Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Vandervoort. Uh, I'm on the line with uh, with our guest today, John Hyman, and Robin Schooling is just coming in, so let me get her connected. Rob, Robin, are you with us? I am with you. Awesome. Um, let me, let hey, me Mike. Just, hey, John. Hey, Robin. Um, just played a just played a 15 second snippet of a Prince song before we jump into the show. Um, I'm sure most people that that hang around in the social media world have heard already, but our, a, a really uh, well regarded uh, colleague of ours, Chris Fields, passed away a few days ago, and I just wanted to give a give a shout out to Chris and his family and um, all of his uh, colleagues and friends that have been there sharing their their thoughts and and prayers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a big loss, and uh, yep. we, will, we will we will miss you, Chris. Uh, so, for everybody out there, that's uh, that'll hopefully that'll suffice. Uh, he was a great guy. And having said that, John Hyman is our guest tonight. Uh, John, welcome to Drive Through HR. We're going to engage you in the what Robin and I always refer to as witty banter. <laughs> So since Robin literally walked through the door and going live, uh, Robin, first of all, how are you doing this week? I uh, I am I am pretty good. I you know as as has been the case now for about a month. I don't remember the date. I don't remember what day of the week it is. Um, and uh, you know, other than that, I'm doing okay. I've uh, I like the evening episodes because I have my cocktail in hand, so yep. you know I'm doing good. I'm, doing I'm good. drinking water tonight, just just out of oh. an abundance of caution. So <laughs> sorry, no, I'm taking antibiotics. <laughs> yeah, don't drink and drive. drive. Uh, yeah. Get it? Drive yeah. through HR. Get it? Exactly. Um, and so, and and I likewise am doing okay. Um, it's you know, it, it yeah, it, it blurs. In fact, the uh, last week one night, I, I've been ordering once a week from a food truck place uh, a local brew pub that brings in a different food truck every night and i ordered mm. what sounded like a delightful meal from a food truck and drove over to pick it up only to find out that i had ordered the food truck dinner for the what had been there the previous night so somewhere in the internet uh is 26 dollars floating around for dinner for my food that never <laughs> that i'll probably never see again so that was my contribution <laughs> to uh to the restaurant industry this week, I guess. John, I, I know you've been on drive through before, but it's been quite a long time. So uh, not within the time that Robin and I and Dwayne and Crystal and some other folks have been doing it, probably back when William was still the host. So welcome back to drive through and we're glad to have you here tonight. Want to have a conversation about a few things. I don't know if you saw my tweet in the last hour. It uh, Keith Bischoff pointed out it's National Horny Day. So I, I decided we would do an episode or a call in with a uh, National Horny Day with a labor lawyer. I don't know if we'll actually make that happen. But <laughs> it's floating around John's got the story, so though, on that, I can tell you. 
Yeah, I will I'm not sure. comment if I'm wearing pants for this episode or not. <laughs> I will leave that to everyone's no, imagination. No, these evening episodes, no pants required. So um, anyway, Perfect. why don't, John, for those who may not know you or our listeners who listen on downloads, uh, introduce yourself, tell us what you do and what you're about these days. Yeah, that was a hell of an introduction, man. National Horny Day and pantsless, <laughs> but we'll roll with it. Um, I'm John Hyman. I'm an employment lawyer uh, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I've been practicing for, uh, if I'm doing the math right in my head, 23 years. I've always represented employers. Uh, currently with the law firm of, uh, as a partner with the firm of Myers, Roman, Friedberg, and Lewis uh, here in the Cleveland area. And in addition to my um, uh, addition to my practice, uh, I've also been uh, uh, an employment law blogger for thir- coming up on 13 years. It'll be 13 wow, years. Wow! Um, on oh. May 8th, it'll be thir- the 13th, lucky 13th anniversary of the Ohio Employer Law Blog, where I write Monday through Friday um, uh, just about every week on all variety of employment law and labor law issues, although lately it's been all coronavirus all the time, and I've actually rebranded myself as the coronavirus law blog for the time being because I frankly can't really imagine anybody wants to read about anything else about the workplace other than what's going on with coronavirus, and it hasn't been uh, – there's been, there's been plenty to write about. So I'm, I'm going with it for the time being. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it, it's crazy, you know, and and you know, uh, we've been doing these shows now. This is we've been we've been calling them the the quarantine episodes. Um, as Robin alluded, you know, a lot of people come to the show and listen, maybe or call in uh, with a with a drink in their hand. And the first show we did was kind of a check in show. And last two or three weeks, we've been trying to have a guest who could talk about uh, Corona and or COVID or whatever whatever you want to call it. But from a not from a positive perspective, because that's not really possible, but from hopefully a uh, not just like, oh, everything sucks perspective, some things that we can bring that are useful information for, for HR practitioners, because so much is developing so fast. It, it's really, it's really overwhelming, I think. Um, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the spin we're going to take on this. Uh, we're going to try to go through a few, few buckets of conversation and topics and, you know, help try to provide some, um, uh, info that people might find useful. If you're listening live and you're on Twitter or whatever, if you want to call in, you know, we'll open up the show at about the 30 minute point, uh, 35 minutes maybe, and, you know, take calls for John if you have any. Um, but, it, but anyway, we'll, 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 we'll go the full hour. So, um, so John, uh, we talked yesterday to kind of set up the show and one of the, I, I, I sort of put a snarky, little semi-snarky intro, intro <laughs> for you. And, uh, so I, one of the things I love about labor lawyers like John and Kate Bischoff and a few others that that I work with a lot or talk to a lot is they're they have a good sense of humor. They don't take themselves really seriously, and so uh, you know the the intro was like let's talk about who cares. And really, we the first set of questions I think uh, John is about CARES Act, and I think that what we what we discussed yesterday was like it's a it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of law and a lot of legislation, but but what do HR people in the trenches right now really need to know? And I, I guess I'm going to kick that out as the first question. Um, well, first of all, they need to know if their business has gotten any money to know if they're paying people. Cause from what I understand, at least from the businesses I'm talking to the payroll 
protection program, which is the, uh, the small business loan aspect of the CARES Act, has just been a freaking mess in its rollout. The SBA announced today they're out of money. They burned through $350 billion in loans in, in, you know, in the span of a couple weeks. People, I've talked to people who said they had their application in with the first 10 minutes of the program rolling out, and they are told they might not even have any money for them. So it's been – you know, spotty at best in terms of what businesses are getting money. Um, a lot of it depends on the bank that you happen to do business with. Chase, mm-hmm. um, sorry if anybody from Chase is listening or fans of your show, but they were, uh, from what I understand, they've done a horrendous job managing this program. Um, they delayed in even processing applications because they said they didn't even know what they were supposed to do. Others mm-hmm. apparently had a better sense of what they were supposed to do or just took a best guess and winged it, but apparently other banks are getting their customers' money. Who knows if Chase's customers are getting money or not, but it has just been a complete disaster from start to finish, and without getting overly political, we now, I guess, have like gridlock in D.C. over whether Congress is going to authorize more funding for this program, and in yeah. the meantime, you know, there's businesses that need funding for their payroll to keep going that don't even know kind of if their if their loan they application they put in is going to be processed and if it is whether there's money for it, money there for them so it's 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 been a mess but assuming you get money you know the next issue is um how are you going to use it and maybe more to the point kind of what are you going to do with your employees to make sure that the money that you've gotten is forgivable and doesn't need to be paid back at the one percent over the twenty four months or whatever the you know the the repayment yeah. terms of the PPP program are, and for businesses that have had to like cut employees or cut headcount or cut hours or pay over the last few weeks to survive, um, they only have until June thirtieth to uh, not only stop that but to get back up to a uh, a, a pre coronavirus level, otherwise their their loan is not going to be forgivable. I mean, the goal here was to make sure was to encourage full employment. This is supposed to be a payroll replacement to let it companies that actually get the money like meet their payroll for the next two months. And if you are don't have employees at the same level of the loan at which you qualified, then the act says then we're not going to forgive your loan because you're not using the money for its intended purpose because you're not paying the employees that you're supposed to have paid because they're not on your payroll anymore. They're not working those hours. So uh, for businesses that want to make sure they get their loans forgiven, um, they only have until um, they only have until June 30th to get their staffing levels or payroll back up to the kind of the pre-coronavirus levels and then the other piece of the CARES Act is the, un- the, the matters in my world is the unemployment piece. And the question that I keep getting from my clients is we have people that we furlough that are in unemployment. They're collecting way more money now in unemployment than, than we were paying them to come work for us because they're getting this $600 a week kicker from the federal government on right. top of their state unemployment benefits. Like for employees that are furloughed, Maybe you have an employee that's working 15 hours less a week. They apply for unemployment. They're getting state unemployment prorated for those lesser hours that they're that they're working or to replace the hours they're not working. And then they're getting the full $600 on top of that. And so 
my clients are saying to me, like, how do we, like, how do we convince people to come back to work? We need, yeah. like, yeah. we're, we're now, we're either essential and we're up and running or, and our production is kicking in or come May 1 or whatever the date is in your state. Um, we're not essential and we're going to be able to reopen and we're going to need to call people back off of furlough. And how do we get people off their, you know, off their asses to come in and work for us? Cause they're making way more at home than they were when they were, uh, you know, when they were on our payroll and, yep. you know, I've, I've advocated like a carrot and stick approach with my clients. And it depends on kind of what they think is going to motivate their employees. They could threaten them and say, if you don't come back, there might not be a job for you here when you're ready to come back. And maybe that'll motivate some employees. Maybe not. Maybe they're happy to, because unemployment's so high and so many businesses are going to have to hire. Eventually, maybe they figure they'll just ride it out and see what happens. Um, And for others, I've said, maybe you need to, give employees a financial incentive to get off the couch, whether it's hazard pay or if that's what you want to call it, or, you know, a short term, you know, incentive to come back to the workplace or like an attendance bonus to say, if you come back by on May one and stay through December 31, we'll give you X number of dollars as a bonus or something to give employees the motivation to, to get off their butts and get back to work. Cause uh, unemployment sure makes it nice and easy now for people to, you know, sit at home and, you know, watch Tiger King. Although, wouldn't wouldn't an offer of work to return wouldn't that toll the un, the right to draw unemployment? Because that's typically and that's typically the way the legislation is. Although I have to I have to admit, well over a decade since I did the last time I handled an unemployment claim as an HR practitioner. So, and, and I, I, I think and the I've issue been, with unemployment though, it's going to take too. so long to catch up. With, it is. With, We're getting cla- we. I have clients who get, yeah. that are getting claims in now for employee where the response date from the cl- the response date for the claim is a week before the company is even even receiving the claim documents in the mail. So, and so and there's that. And the other piece is states have now they're waiving, you know. Uh, uh, work application requirements for unemployment, like you have to apply for X number of jobs. In Ohio, it's two jobs a week to claim your unemployment benefits. Those, mm-hmm. All those requirements are waived. So it's hard to say to what extent states are going to, if an employee says, look, I don't feel safe coming back to work. I think it's, I think it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, it's not a safe workplace. Yeah. The CARES Act yeah. is written, you, you qualify for unemployment if you quit for a COVID-19 related reason and is quitting because it's not safe. Is that COVID-19 related? I mean, who knows? Um, right. But I think there's so many open issues. I don't think employers can rely on the offer of employment as terminating uh, unemployment gotcha. benefits right now. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very odd circumstance. Um, the, <clears throat> get, getting a little back play there. Sorry. Um, do you have any questions? You're very, very, very much back play, staticky. Yeah, it's not. I what, just put myself. Um, so, uh, you know, John, so, uh, you know, one of the things that, um, and you actually wrote about it this morning um, on your blog post, and, and I've seen this kind of pop up across different channels where. HR folks hang out. It's 
now we're now we're starting to hear we've got all these stories about the best of people, and now we're starting to hear kind of the worst of people. So we're starting to hear these stories of hey, individuals Robin, falsifying. We, hey, Robin, we lost yeah. John. So oh. you're asking. He fell off. I assume I'm he'll be myself. back. Yeah, I think that is. I think that he's back. Hold on, just a second. Techno okay. Technology issues here. Hang on. John, you back? Technology rules when it works. I'm back. Exactly. <laughs> Robin was just finishing up a long question, so we'll just a long question with my before. preamble. I'll pretend like I heard it, and I'll just say whatever I want. No, go ahead. Yeah. So my preamble was because you you addressed this actually today in your in your blog post this morning, and I've been you know kind of hearing other HR folks start to say it now that. You know, we're kind of starting to see or hear the stories about, he, you know, dropped, Robin, the dropped, worst of people. Again. Robin, so he, he dropped, dropped again. again. Maybe it's me. <laughs> Maybe it's my question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so in the interim, I guess we'll try to fill some technology-induced dead airspace here. Um, mm -hmm. I don't even have anything to pivot to. Um, we, I was joking with John, just be, like, I guess, just before you came on, that it was National Harmony Day. Here he's back again. Let's try this again. All right. Let's go go one more time. All right. They're not going to so, like your question, Robert. I think that's the problem. I know. Yeah, I think sorry, so. Sorry, John. Uh, let's read. Hmm. Yeah. So kind of talking about the worst of people that's coming out now, and we're starting to hear stories of employees falsifying documents you know we're we, we've got a lot of hr people running around wanting doctor's notes and this kind of thing and we've kind of gotten to this point of you know you're probably not going to get a doctor's note you know because the doctors are inundated we've kind of been living with that well now we're getting folks who are bringing in doctor's notes and they are they are discovered as fraudulent or i've heard a couple of tales where sally came in and told us she was positive for COVID-19, so we took her off work, and we're, we're, we're giving her those first 10 days of pay, and then we come to find out, or Sally fesses up at the end of it, well, no, it was, I, I lied. So we're starting to see that kind of stuff. So I guess maybe kind of take us through what you talked about in your blog post this morning, because that was kind of to that piece a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I think what this virus has I think it has um, put a spotlight on the best of people and on the worst of people, uh -huh. and we're starting to see people's kind of worser, worser, worst instincts um, yep. come out. And this and this is and this is one clear example. And we had it we had it with a client at work too, where an employee came in with a with a um, actually claimed to to two different people on two different dates, th three weeks apart, that he had coronavirus, um, and uh, in order to get you know different different times off from different people uh, that he yeah. was reporting to, so there are yeah, so we're, we're we're starting to see it, and you know CNN reported yesterday that the FBI put out a a business advisory bulletin to businesses warning them to be on the lookout yeah. for employees that are faking uh, positive coronavirus coronavirus diagnoses with phony doctor's notes, and the one example that CNN cited from the the, the FBI cited that CNN reported on was a business that um, an employee comes in with a fake doctor's note. The employee takes his two weeks off. The business shuts down for two weeks because the employee, they contact trace and it looked like the employee had been in contact with just about everybody in the workplace. They shut down for two weeks. They bring someone in to sanitize as you're supposed to. 
they lose uh, like a ton of orders as a result, and they estimated that it cost them north of $175,000 when you mm. kind of put all the costs together. Um, and it turned out that this was this was BS, that the employee did not have coronavirus. He just wanted a nice uh, paid two weeks vaca- two week vacation. Yes. Yeah. Um, under the you know under the paid sick leave provision of the yeah. FFCRA, and so yeah, and it's and it's horrible that this is the kind of stuff employers are dealing with, and particularly when, as you pointed out, you have like the CDC recommends that we not take doctor's notes now for for absences because we can't get them from doctors because they're so inundated with patients and mm-hmm. um, like state stay-at-home orders like Ohio shelter-in-place orders is the same thing. Employers should forgo doctor's notes because you just, cause you just can't get them, or if you, even if you can, you don't want to burden the doctors. So you're supposed to be taking right. employees on faith, but then you see this, and it's like, how are we supposed to take employees on faith? Because those of us that live in this world know that there's lots of employees that will take advantage of situations not yeah. to work, right? Um, and I, I guess – my my question is when I when I look at this and I see employees that are bringing in fake doctor's notes or lying about uh, having coronavirus, they, the employer doesn't require a note, but the employee says I have coronavirus or my spouse has coronavirus, so I'm not going to be in for 14 days or whatever. My question is that's horrible, and the employee shouldn't be doing that. But then my next question is. Like what's broken in the relationship between that employee and the employer or the employee supervisor or mm-hmm. whomever in that workplace where mm-hmm. that relationship has gotten to the point where this is what the employee is doing in order to get a couple of weeks off from work. Right. Cause something's got to be right. broken there very inherently right. in the relationship. If, if this is what the employee is doing. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I think, um, and I'm, uh, I'm not basing this on any one particular company or any one particular industry or whatever, but based on my many, many, many years in HR in different industries, um, you know, I think about um, it's it, and it's it's the, the entry level frontline workers, um, lower paid, right? So. Oh, for crying out loud. Well, now Ron and John have both dropped off, so I'm sure they'll be back in a moment. <laughs> and I know people are listening live, so hi to Frank and Tammy. Here's here's John. My speed dial is getting a workout, which is good. This is crazy. Robin fell off, too. Uh, Tammy Colson popped up on Twitter. She says she swears Ohio actually has cell towers. I'm, I must admit I'm dubious, John, but... <laughs> <laughs> and I, I actually, I actually, so uh, I have uh, full bars, and we actually have a cell tower right at the outside of our subdivision. So I am, I, I am good to go. So I I'm blaming, I'm blaming Robin because it's every time she talks, we go dead. Yeah, and here she is back now too. <laughs> every time I talk, we shut off. That I know. Be, What's though, the movie, the, 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 the ring where you look at the picture and then you die seven days later? It's God kind of the same thing. Dang. Man. I, I, so I don't I know where I left off with my rambling, but, you know, I think you've got certain workplaces where, you know, it's – this this is now a chance where people are seeing – some people are seeing, 
you know what? I don't have to worry about getting points for not being here. I've got crappy PTO to begin with. I'm low paid. If I can be off and be paid, I'm going to take it. Yeah, I think you're right. And and we are, I think what this crisis has magnified more than anything else is how badly our workplaces need to be overhauled in terms of flexible work schedules or telework and how the the resistance we've seen to that in the in the in corporate America in a lot of corporate America and how everybody's working remotely now just about who can and it's yeah. worked it's not it's not perfect but it's been fine for the most part um and right and the need for you know paid sick leave and paid uh, uh, and paid mm-hmm. family leave in this country and how it's an embarrassment that we're the only country the only industrialized country in the world that doesn't give paid sick leave and paid family yeah. to, to its employees and 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 uh and while the FFCRA I think is a great step in that direction it also sunsets it also was only for one particular reason it sunsets yeah. December 31 and looking at what goes on in DC I don't hold out a whole lot of hope that we're going to see broader paid sick leave or paid family leave yeah. anytime in the immediate future. So, but it's something that we yeah. sorely need because what, cause you're creating this, I think you're creating this, this resentment between employers and employees that is causing employees mm-hmm. to, to take advantage of the situation like this. Cause I've, yeah. I've, I've worked at yeah. organizations where uh, you were sick there weren't sick days, you know, here's your general bucket of PTO type of thing. Um, but if you were sick, um, that was an absence, and you got an attendance point. Those co- types of companies still exist. So not only is there, you know, oh, you just have this one bucket, use it for sick leave, but then if you're sick, too bad, you're still getting an attendance point. Those companies. Well, yeah, and, what, and, and so what does that policy do? It encourages you to come to work sick. Because, come to work sick. Right, because you can't because you because you don't want to be unpaid for the day and you don't want to be pointed. Mm-hmm. So you're going to come to work sick, which is the exact opposite of what we should be exactly. encouraging our, our employees to do, especially now. We don't want anybody sick yeah. in the workplace right yep. now. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's also another well there's a bunch of factors but another thing that I think gets overlooked quite a bit is for you know for employees that are designated essential and that's a lot a number of different industries the you know the employees are coming to work every day fearful stressed out um, yeah if you work in, if you work in retail or, or areas you know where where people are trying to get stuff or or healthcare their their patients and or their customers are stressed out. Um, I saw today that uh, an article that said that moms and dads that have been homeschooling for the last three days are pretty much telling their teachers, my son's done for the year because, you know, I can't keep up with all the crap you're asking me to do while I'm trying to, you know, do my job from home. And, you know, so we're kind of hitting a, a, we're kind of hitting a point where I think everybody's been sort of artificially nice for a while. And now all the frustrations to be slowly boiling to the surface. So I think we're going to have, you know, a few more weeks of pretty tough time with all of this. And I, you know, I don't know, I don't know that there's any legal advice you can give John, but any thoughts on employers might want to 
respond to a really volatile short-term, you know, kind of hysteria like that in the workplace. It's not something we deal with ever. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about, and I've been saying this for a while, I'm worried about the mental health crisis that we're going to face in this country when this is all over mm-hmm. from the lack of interpersonal contact we've had. I mean, Zoom is great, but I mean, it doesn't, talking to someone through Zoom doesn't replace, you know, seeing them face to face and talking to them face to face. So I think we're going to, I think that is a component of it. I think the, we are, we are on 24 seven. Like my job has been nonstop, partly because of what my job is. Like um, I, I, when I appointed myself the coronavirus team lead at my firm, like four weeks ago, I thought, what a great like marketing thing for my practice. Little did I know I'd be working 15, 16 hours a day. Like as every, you know, as all of my partners are sending me their clients to deal with, I'm dealing with my own clients and then I'm reading, you know, nothing's better than reading like federal regulations at 11 o'clock at night. So you're, so, you know, you're up on what's going on because for the questions that are, are going to start rolling in at seven o'clock in the morning. So, um, but we're all, again, yeah, then we're managing our kids on top of that. Like my son, um, he, they're, they're studying simple machines in his fifth grade science class, and his project for the week was to build a Rube Goldberg machine at home, uh, mm. which is awesome if you have the pieces and parts to do it, but yeah. we don't. And, you know, I don't even want to go to the grocery store, let alone go try and find, like, wheels and levers and wedges for, a, like, a Rube Goldberg machine for a science project. So... Yeah, so the stress of like, how are you going to get this homework assignment done? And it's it's you're out of your league trying to build this. So now, like your mom and I have to now come in and help manage this. Although mostly my wife because she's the engineer and I'm the lawyer. But um, yeah, but now we got to step in and try and manage this and help you. And then I'm on calls all day and your mom's on calls all day. And I mean, if I had hair, I'd pull it out. But I thank God I don't. <laughs> I've never been more happy to be bald as I've been in the last month. But um, yeah, it's it's extraordinarily stressful, um, and then to have to manage coworker expectations and client expectations um, on top of that, um, I, I worry for the mental health crisis that is coming. Yeah. Um, in yeah. terms of what employers can do, I mean, I think flexibility and, and under a little bit of flexibility and a little bit little bit of understanding goes a long way um, currently, but I think. After the fact, when we all get back to whatever normal is going to look like when this is over, to make sure that EAPs or other programs are in place for employees to have somewhere to go to talk through the stress that is built up over time and the worrying and the anxiety that is built up over time, just just to get some of this stuff off of people's chests and to maybe learn some coping mechanisms to help deal with this, to try and alleviate some of the these these mental health issues yeah and then just just a a a smidge of compassion in these situations um goes really a long way if you're an employee that's dealing with a supervisor or a boss or a client right or a customer um you know a a little a little bit of understanding that everything isn't going to be perfect and we're all doing the best we can under the just the strangest of circumstances i think helps a lot yeah yeah Yep. We um we have a question from from Twitter. Uh this awesome. is this is fun when we do the live 
Well, we always do live, but, you know, the evening show. So um, this is an all-Cleveland show, too, thus far, because it's uh, <laughs> from uh, Frank and Tammy, who are listening. Um, and so uh, Frank asks, you know, we, we spend time, and we have thus far, talking about, um, you know, the the bad behavior of the, the lowest people on the totem pole, really, the corporate totem pole, um, and how they're behaving what about the daily examples that we're getting that we're seeing from executives and boards? How is that? How's that going to uh, yeah, drive it, it, the future? Uh, it, it scares me. I have now for three years run a worst employer list um, on my blog and I've compiled mm-hmm. a list of America's worst employers. Um, people have said to me like you are, a management side lawyer, you have write the Ohio employer law blog. You're supposed to be advocating <laughs> for you're supposed to be advocating for employers. Why why are you compiling a list and asking people to vote on the year's worst employer? And it's because it's educational, because I'm trying to yes. teach employers like this is not how a good corporate citizen is supposed to behave and treat its employees. Um but when you see um you know workers at Amazon that are um, raising legitimate concerns about their health and safety, and then are being mm-hmm. fired. All the while, mm-hmm. you know Jeff Bezos, who has more money than God and can be contributing his own millions and millions to do things, isn't really, as far as I can tell, not doing much of anything to mm-hmm. uh, fund anything. And and is and you know and and his employees are really like every we have Amazon deliveries coming to the house three times a week. I mean, we're relying on Amazon. Um, yep. To help keep us, you know, help keep us stocked, and those people are, they they are Amazon workers, are frontline workers at this point. We need them, um, and they have legitimate concerns, um, and they're not being addressed. And ringleaders are being, uh, are if you believe the reports, or the, the ringleaders are being fired. You have employers. Uh, uh, one employer that made my list recently was the employer that um, uh, uh, stole is that the generous term, but stole its employees um, stimulus checks by figuring out Ugh. how many hours those employees would have to work in order to earn the amount of money that get in their stimulus Ugh. check and then cutting their hours, cutting their hours in, the, in, in that amount so that they would, yeah. they would end up net the same and the employer would be in the positive for that amount of hours because they Ugh. weren't paying the employee. So yeah. So it's, it's things like that that make you just shake your head. I, I, I'm a strong believer in karma, and the one thing we know from from all of this is that the business world is not going to look the same when this is over, that all the businesses that were in business on February 1 and March 1 come May 1 and June 1 and July 1, they're not going to be in business anymore, and it's it's a yeah. sad but true fact of the reality we're living in is that our economy, you know, 22 million unemployment claims in the last, you know, in the last four weeks. Our economy yeah. is 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 has slid into a recession and is sliding towards a depression. Hopefully not, but maybe we don't know. And businesses mm-hmm. are not. Lots of businesses aren't going to survive. My hope is that if karma is really a thing and really exists, that those businesses that have done right by their employees through this those that are promoting telework and are maintaining employees' health insurance when they're furloughed and are uh, allowing employees who have needs outside the workplace to be flexible with their time 
and who are paying employees, not just with the losses they have to pay them, but going above and beyond when they can. Um, those companies that are doing right by their employees and helping their employees through this crisis are the ones that are, that are, that are going to come out of this okay and surviving. And those uh-huh. that are firing the whistleblowers and stealing their, their employee stimulus checks are the ones that are going to mm-hmm. be going out of business. I hope. Mm-hmm. I, I really hope that's what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let me do it. We're, we're well past the 30 minutes, and we got a lot more to talk about. And since it's an all-Cleveland show, I think we'll just keep talking. If anyone wants to call in, feel free to do so. The number is 513-387-1968. Our, um, our guest is John Hartman, uh labor attorney at Cleveland, and we're talking about a, a, a wide variety of topics. So, John, a couple things. One is I have a I have a potential lead for you for your list. I I haven't researched this, so I'm I want to be I want to say this is a story that really is more of a headline, but it's worth looking at. And there's a there's a restaurant chain called Potbelly, which I actually like, and I, I don't know that they're headquartered in D.C., but they have a lot of stores in D.C. And I always make it a point to go there and get a get lunch when I'm when I'm in D.C. So it's a place I like from a food point of view. But allegedly, they have an executive, and I don't know if it was the CEO or another C-suite person, who just received a $100,000 bonus uh, in the last couple of weeks. And they've just now received something like $10.5 million business loan, right? So bad look if, that, if, that, if they paid out, you know, even though that's not a huge bonus um, for, you know, for an executive, if they're paying out bonuses and then taking out loans, it's kind of a bad look. So you might want to Yep. that out to see they meet the criteria. I I mean, there, was, there, there was a story I saw today of, I think the Orlando Sentinel ran it, of a uh, Florida, I think it was in Florida, Florida, Florida hotel chain. Uh, yeah, Florida man. That uh, <laughs> It was a hotel chain that is like a multi, 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 multi-million dollar, you know, owns lots of hotels, but they applied for a separate SBA loan for each hotel, which fell under the the the, mm-hmm. the the income and the employee thresholds and so they collected mm-hmm. they and their loans are being funded um, and you know they're like a whatever several hundred million dollar organization but individually the hotels aren't and so they're getting their they're getting their stimu- they're getting their stimulus checks their SBA loans when um, you know the the local wine shop that we frequent here um, in town. Um, Found out today Can't even that get they're their not application getting their, in. They're, 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 they're not going to get their loan because the SBA yeah. loans, they're out of money. Um, and yeah, I forwarded that uh, I forwarded that story to my friend who owns the shop, and she's like, "This just makes me want to cry." And it's horrible that yeah. Um, and, I, and I understand like you want to get this money to people as quickly as possible, and these loans aren't being vetted with the thoroughness that that you would hope that a loan application would be vetted before a loan is funded. But by the same token, there's lots of people that need this money that aren't going to get it because people are taking people are taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's possible that they paid. You know, Delta Airlines paid out 1.6 billion dollars in profit sharing to their workforce about two and a half months ago, right? And now they're on billions to survive. So I mean, there's a po- there's a possibility that that the, that the facts of the story may not look as bad or may not be as bad as they look, but it just it's a bad look. The other thing is. Um, about just how much things could change. There's an article um, that I sent around uh, yesterday and today 
and it's it's on a, we a website called Marker, which I've never heard of, but it's written by a guy named Steve Levine, who's a relatively uh, prominent labor reporter. And the art, the name of the article or the headline of the article is America is, I'm going to go into my nerdy area for a second. America is about to witness the biggest labor movement it's seen in decades. It took 40, and, the, it, and then there's a subtext headline. It took 40 years in a pandemic to stir up a worker revolution that's about to hit corporate America. And mm -hmm. he equates what happened after World War II, you know, kind of the Depression, World War I, World War II, um, Wagner Act, all that kind of, so we, he says this might be as, you know, definitive a moment as we've seen since the, those days. And I don't, I mean, it may be a little bit hyperbole, but I'm not sure. I, I can almost buy it. And I was just wondering, I know you didn't read the article or anything, but just like looking at the tea leaves of everything that's rolling around, what do you think, John? It's, it's, it's not a bad take. It's not a bad take at all. I mean, we have, Workers, workers are going to come out of this feeling um, uh, underappreciated, unloved, yeah. certainly underpaid as they look at things yeah. that, you know, when you see executives paying themselves big bonuses and corporations getting bailouts and where's the money being passed down to the employees. Um, it is – I don't think it's a stretch at all to think that this is the kind of thing that could give organized labor um, uh, the kick in the pants it hasn't had in, in – um, it hasn't had in decades. So I mean we are, I, we had our, we have, um, we I mean we've seen we've seen union organizing, I mean start to tick up. I mean just a very very little bit in the past couple of years, um, but yeah I would not be surprised at all if we saw union petitions um, go through the roof in the you know in the years following this. I, I, I've said. I mean I think yeah. No, no go, go ahead, Robin. Yeah, no, I you know I think uh, you know the the fight for fifteen movement. Think how that's gonna just when when people get back to living and being able to buy food and make sure their roof is over, you know over their head. I think that's gonna just explode out of this yep. even more. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and you look at things like um, you know we talk about. Um, like where the where the pressure points are going to be when this is over. I think I talked about mental health. I think that's one. I think medical debt's going to be another. When people who uh -huh. are, you know, hospitalized for uh, with with COVID are now looking at, you know, million you know mil medical bills that are seven figures because they've been yeah. you know on a ventilator in the ICU for a couple of weeks and and how the hell am I supposed to pay a a seven figure medical bill when I'm making nine dollars an hour. You know, right, and may and may not have insurance, or they, or right, or they have high deductible insurance with huge, um, you know, with ho with huge coinsurance on top of it, and you know, and their insurance might even, uh, you know, if even if you have great insurance, right? I mean, we have we have pretty good insurance um, with a low deductible, but it's still, but even if once we had our deductible, we we're responsible for eighty percent of the costs of like a hospitalization, so. I don't have 80% of a million dollars to pay to, to pay to a hospital, even with really good insurance, mm -hmm. you know? So, so you're going to see, you're going to see pushes for things like, um, you know, universal health care and those kind of things that have been um, talked about, but talked about more as on the, 
far left fringe of the Democratic Party is, you know, the Bernie wing and, and the Elizabeth Warren wing of the Democratic Party, but not really anything that people thought would really have traction um, in the mainstream. I think you'll see things like that start to, start to pick up some steam as well, because uh, it, just when people realize the, ex, the, the, the medical expense that goes into like a hospitalization for something like this, the, the call for the reform of our medical system and our medical insurance system, I think that that drum is going to start getting beat real loudly too. Yeah. Um, and we didn't talk about this at all, John, in the, but it occurs to me, there's probably a couple of points to, to think about from employers in the short term. Um, you know, this, this is a volatile, we just spent a lot of time talking about how volatile it is, how stressful it is. That often leads to employee frustrations, which can sometimes lead to things like um, walkouts or sit downs, that kind of thing. So can you comment just generally about what employers might want to think about related to PCA uh, under the National Labor Relations Act, if, if something like that was to suddenly show its face in their workplace? Yeah, I mean, so employees have the right to engage in PCA, protect the concerted activity, that is talk between and among themselves about wages, hours, terms, and conditions of employment. You can't retaliate against employees who are engaging in protected concerted activity. So you can't fire them. You can't demote them. You can't cut their pay. You can't threaten them. Um, all the things that are going to get you uh, a board charge that is, that is difficult, um, that is difficult to defend. Um, I would say to the extent that your employees are talking amongst themselves and venting their frustrations there is no better opportunity as an employer. I mean, your natural reaction is, you know, who the hell are you to tell me how to run my business? And, and this is my business. I'm going to run it how I want to run it. If you don't like it, go find a job somewhere else. Um, what better opportunity to learn what concerns your employees have than to listen to them when they are engaging in, engaging in protected concerted activity and to figure out kind of what, where where you are failing them as an employer um, to the extent they, to the extent that you can get you know that that you can get their ear and, and listen to what listen to what they're saying um, you know at, I, I hate to keep beating up on, on Amazon because I really do love my prime and the fact that boxes come to my door you know in a day or two but um, you know Amazon's a perfect example you have employees that are raising legitimate concerns about um, you know, not appropriate social distancing. We don't have, uh, we don't have uh, PPE uh, to protect us against, uh, you know, viral germs in the workplace. We're, um, you know, we're, we, we feel that our health and safety is put in jeopardy with the working conditions we're forced to work under. And um, rather than, uh, I'm hypothesizing based on the reports that Amazon is firing the ringleaders here, but, um, but you can kind of hypothesize from that that they're also not doing what they should be doing to guarantee appropriate social distancing and to get employees the PPE they need and the other issues that these employees um, are raising. And Amazon has put out statements saying we are doing what we can to encourage social distancing and to get protective gear for employees. And I guess the proof is in the pudding if it's really going on. I don't know because I'm not there. Um, but rather than rather than fire the people that you perceive as stirring up the trouble, I think, which, by the way, is another great way to get a union in because that just feeds into the union narrative, which is, um, I mean, if you ask 
union union organizing campaigns that are successful and you ask the union organizers like or the employees that voted for the union like what led you to vote for the union it's typically not pay or benefits or financial issues it's typically like we felt disrespected we felt management didn't listen to us we didn't you know we didn't have a voice in what was going on in the workplace those are the kind of issues that unions get traction with and so you could look at it one of two ways you can look at it from a you know, we can take employees' concerns to heart and really use the, the the PCA that's going on as a tool to help us better our workplace. Or if you're just motivated by the bottom line, you could look at it and say, um, "We better make sure we're listening," or uh, we may f- we, or we may find ourselves being served with a uh, with a union petition by the by the National Labor Relations Board. Yep, all, all the all all well stated. Thanks. Um, it's it and it's it's tough for everyone. Um, I, I let's switch away from um, let's let's switch away from deep topics for a minute and because um, <laughs> fifty minutes of it is all I can take apparently, uh, and I'm the host. So <laughs> uh, the I I I, I mentioned uh, that we want uh, that you mentioned you'd been blogging for thirteen years, five days a week. Um, that, I mean, and having, having blogged for a number of years, um, at a, at the same level, I finally turned out to the point where I still can't blog, even though sometimes I feel like it. How the hell do you maintain that pace, John? Um, it's part inertia. Um, and it's part that I just really love doing it. It is an absolute labor of love for me to get out and to get out and, and write every day. Um, there is certainly in the labor and employment world, there is certainly not a lack of topics or things to write about. I, every day I will find myself thinking about one or two or three different things I could write about and having to pick um, from that list of what I'm going to write about that particular day. Um, the coronavirus crisis has, at least from the blogging perspective has really reinvigorated me um, to get out and do it even more. There's been days where I've put out two or three blog posts um, in the last few weeks just because there's so much information to get out there and there's so many things I want to say about what's going on. Um, It's just been – it's an absolute labor of love. The practice of law can be such just drudgery on a daily basis, you know, responding to – like interrogatories and document requests or preparing for a deposition or preparing for a hearing, just that the practice of law, it's, it's not the, it's not the sexiness of law and order that, you know, that people (laughs) think it is. I mean, it is just, it is a daily grind to be a lawyer when you get a, you know, when you get a stack of 500,000 pages of documents from your client and you need to go through them to figure out like what's relevant to be produced to, to, to the other side and a piece of, in a piece of litigation, that's just freaking dull, right? Um, and I don't get me wrong. I, I love my job. I love what I do, and I love helping businesses solve their problems. But it's but part of it can be real drudgery, and the blogging is not. Blogging, it's, it's creative, and it's different, and it lets me kind of spread my wings a little bit. And after 13 years of doing it, you either like what I write or you don't like what I write. And if I want to take a day and rather than write about employment law, I want to write about, um, you know, my kid's band playing at the 
high school rock off finals at the Rock yep. and Roll Hall of Fame the, the weekend before. I'm going to write about that because you know what? I've been doing this for 13 years and I've given you a lot of value and I just don't care anymore. And if you don't want to read it, don't read it and come back tomorrow for the summary of the latest case from the Supreme Court and I'll give that to you tomorrow. But today I'm going to write about, uh, you know, a proud dad moment. And I, and I, and I do a lot of that too. But it's, it's, been, it's, it's allowed me to, you know, be creative um, and do something different other than just be a practicing lawyer. And that's why I get up and do it every day. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, yep. I was going to ask you another question, but we actually have someone calling in from the 540 area code. So I'm going to figure out where that is. I think maybe I know. But anyway, we'll take the call and see who we've got on the line. So 540, who do we have? Five four zero calling from Cleveland. Cleveland. <laughs> I didn't know. Tammy still has time. her old area code on her phone. Yeah. Yes, okay. I have the weirdest area code to live in Cleveland ever. Mm-hmm. There's, you're right. There's not that many. There's not that many Southerners that journey north to live with the Yankees and keep their anyway. So that, that was a long time anyway, ago. Anyway, yeah. So, John, I, I adore you. I read your stuff all the time. And the fact that you work with Seth Briskin tells me that it can't possibly be boring. <laughs> Never is. Seth keeps it interesting every day. Always, always. See, you know, we we're talking about all the stuff that – and I appreciate John's introspect about – um, you know, what, how this is affecting hourly workers. And, you know, as, as we continue to do this shutdown in Ohio, and, of course, our governor today said, oh, well, you know, we'll think about opening up in, on May 1. You know, I, I'm concerned, A, that the federal government isn't, and the state isn't getting it together with the payments. You know, how many people yeah. are getting the payments they're supposed to be getting, and, oh, yeah, we're going to open up, but we're not going to open – there's no specifics of that, you know, because we're still all dealing with the fact that the coronavirus is peaking in in, this, in the United States, whether in, in am, Ohio I, I am, or in South Dakota. <laughs> I am very concerned that we're opening – that we're reopening too soon, and, and I get the – I mean, when you see uh, – like Dr. Fauci on making the rounds on TV talking about how we might be living with social distancing for 18 months until we yeah. get a, a workable vaccine that's readily distributable and people start to panic like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in my home for 18 months and how are we going to survive and businesses to re- need to reopen. And so now we're getting the pushback the other way um, led by the White House. And uh, I mean, not to overly politicize this, but it is what it is. Um, that you know we need to reopen America and get people back to work and whatnot, and I'm very concerned that we're doing this um, too soon because of the the feeling that people need to the businesses need to reopen and people need to get back to work, and I am very concerned that we are going to rush into this without being prepared, and that we are going to end up right back where we were a week ago, but I think with a bigger bounce back than where we started, and I, I have way more confidence in Governor DeWine than I do in President Trump. I think he's done a fabulous job. Him and um, uh, Dr. Acton, our, our um, director, of, uh, director of Health here in Ohio, um, I think they've done a fabulous job managing this um, in Ohio before it even really became a crisis in Ohio and, and keeping it from becoming way worse than it was. And, I, and 
And when Governor DeWine, I've been watching his two o'clock presser um, just about every day uh, in one format or another. And when he says, you know, the goal is May 1, but we're going to watch the trends and see how we develop. Um, I think if we start to tick back up, uh, I, I have full confidence that he will do right by the citizens of Ohio and pull back. Um, and mm-hmm. so that gives me some hope that at least in my state, in our state, that we have the right people making the decisions that are protecting the interests of the citizens of Ohio because they've done it so – I think they've done it I think they've done a great job so far. I really do. Um, I'd, I'd I agree think, with that. Yeah. I, I also think as a Republican governor, I have no doubt that he's getting a ton of pressure from the White House um, to fall yeah. in line with the party and the, par- and the president and the party line and what the White House and, – and you know, Trump can say all he wants that, um, you know, that uh, you know, it's uh, now the White House says it's the, you know, it's the governor's decision as to what they know as to when to reopen, even though Trump's been saying for days it's his decision. But now – the White House is finally recognizing that that the Tenth Amendment exists and that it's the, the the power of the governors to decide when to reopen their states and not the federal government. But there's lots of things that can go on behind the scenes that we don't we will never know, such as threats to state funding, and the party won't support you in your reelection campaign if you don't fall in line with what's going on, with what we, what we think is in the best interest of the country, and lots of things that can be done behind the scenes pressure that we'll never know. So I am I am cautiously optimistic that our governor who's done great so far will continue to do great and put the interests of the citizens of the state first in his mind in and and in what he does but i'm also a realist in understanding that he's probably getting a ton of heat from dc um and and hopefully it plays out um the way it's played out so far which is that he continues to make smart decisions based on the science um and not dumb decisions based on rushing people back to work, which I think will result in, in uh, could result in catastrophe. Cool. We have I, two and a half. I agree with you. Uh, utterly. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> much. Left, so I wanted to do a lightning round. Uh, so just, we'll start with you, Tammy, since you're the last caller. Uh, do you have a binge watch recommendation real quick? Um, Picard. The yeah, Star Trek I, Picard on uh, CBS All Access, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely yeah, check that that's out. Good. Two, two seasons of Star Trek Discovery as well. That It's an excellent show. Robin? Um, I'm not a binge watcher. I'm a binge reader, and I am working my way back through. These are like old lady books that my grandma used to read, but the entire series of The Cat Who, if anybody – those. Mm. Oh yeah, the Cat Who series. I'm reading them all from from start to finish. There's like 30 of them. I think I'm on number 20. Nice. I have to check those out. Awesome, John. Anything? I know you read a lot. Anything watchable? Uh, I'll give you two. Uh, TV wise, um, a series called I'm Sorry. It's on Netflix. It will. It's two seasons. 30-minute uh, comedy. It will be the funniest 30 minutes you will watch, um, period, uh, guaranteed. Uh, not kid-friendly remotely, um, but hilariously <laughs> fall off the couch funny. Um, and then we're watching a lot of, we're watching a lot of concerts. We, we've tuned in um, three to four times a week on a platform called Stage It, which is um, uh, live music right now from people's homes. 
Um, and we've been watching a guy we know by the name of Rhett Miller, who's the lead singer of a band called Old 97s. Um, and he's been doing nice. concerts from his home in the Hudson Valley um, four days a week. Uh, and they're free. Um, you can tip, and they're fabulous. Awesome. Mine, I mine heard is on recently that... that that Pink Floyd is going to be doing full concerts from their archives on Friday. I heard that too. I heard that too. Like every Friday. So that could be I heard cool. that too. Yeah. Interesting. We're going to run out of time, but we'll stay on in the show. Yep. We'll, it'll record. The show's going to go dead. We'll, we'll finish up. Um, so, so my recommendation uh, is a Netflix show. It's a, it's an older limited uh, run, seven episodes. It's called Godless. It's a Western. Um, it, Jeff Daniels is the biggest name in it. it. Just finished watching it this weekend. It was pretty good. Um, John, just just so as people download, uh, so they can find you, if you would just end uh, by giving people uh, kind of your uh, social media credentials, if you will, or contacts, and, and then we'll wrap sure. up the show. Um, uh, the blog, you can find it at uh, ohioemployerlawblog.com or coronaviruslaw.blog. Uh, they both go to the same place. Um, you can find me on Twitter at John Hyman. That's J-O-N-H-Y-M-A-N. Uh, you will find me on LinkedIn um, at Jonathan Hyman, because there is another uh, John Hyman out there somewhere who got the LinkedIn um, who got the LinkedIn before me. And then you'll also find me on Facebook at uh, ohio.employer.law.com blog. So that I think is all the socials. And then the firm is MyersRoman.com, M-E-Y-E-R-S-R-O-M-A-N.com. And I'm sure they'd appreciate the plug too. No doubt. Well, this, this, this was a great conversation. Been want, wanting right. to have you on for a while. So really appreciate you uh, joining us tonight. And uh, likewise for the, the Zuko family in Cleveland. Now I now realize <laughs> that drive through HR is Cleveland's number one rated HR podcast. So thanks for your support. <laughs> and, Dude, it's uh, Cleveland. When it's closed down, we got nothing to do. <laughs> That's a song, right? Uh, anyway, uh, y'all have a good night, Robin. I'll talk to you next yep. week. Our guest is going to actually be uh, Tracy Sponnenberg. Haven't set up the show yet. But she's going to come on. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but we'll figure something out. And uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you again next week, Tam. All right, everyone, take care. I'm going to end the episode. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thank you so much. Good night.